Grab your teen angst. Class is in session. Traveling the Vortex, episode number 338. Traveling the Vortex. What have I been waiting for? Been wasting all my time. Watching my youth slip away. Surely is a crime. I'm Pete. I'm Sean. I'm Blair. How are you guys? I'm full of angst. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that did open didn't throw too many people. I know it's a big variation from our normal. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to hear about it too. <laughs> did you guys have a good week? A little of it there was between last time and this time. I didn't do much. I watched this new TV show. That's about it. Yeah, me too. Watched uh, a baby a lot too. <laughs> Your hands are kind of full. Time's kind of full. Yep. Which, if you hear some noise, she's decided to grace us for recording this week. Well, I decided she's going to grace us for recording <laughs> this week because I go back to work tomorrow. Oh. So I'm getting all the cuddles I can in before I have to go back because I'm not ready. Normally, she's not very fussy, so hopefully the track record will continue. And we've got headphones and a microphone in front of her, so. <laughs> she might have opinions. We'll get to some of them. Oh, she has at least one opinion, which we'll get to in a little bit. You guys didn't do anything else? Glenn, did you do anything? No, we did some housework. That was pretty much it. Got so Mason's uh, desk into his room, so it's all set up. Nice. You did something. I did. And I think, I don't oh, know if you shoot. did. Yeah, I did go see something. Didn't I, I didn't get to, but I you might go, have. I did go, go see something this week. Did Gosh. you go see something, Sean? I didn't. You didn't go see Spider-Man? You didn't Spider- go see Spider-Man? No. Did you? I did. Well, you it must have been totally forgettable because you forgot about no, it. No, I completely enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. I'm in a funk tonight. I'm, <laughs> I'm so, We're just tired. I'm so tired. We're all I'm tired. Forgot. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, I went and saw Spider-Man. The kids and I went yesterday afternoon. So you liked it? I did. I liked it a lot. It's I'm kind of enjoyable. surprised you didn't go see it, Sean. Partially with just how busy we were. Oh, we, okay. we just didn't have a chance. I mean, we, we snuck out to see Baby Driver, as I mentioned last time. Spider-Man, I mean, yeah, it's a Marvel movie, and I'm excited, but at the same time, it's Spider-Man, and it's like, meh. I just, yeah. I'm still in that, I don't need another Spider-Man movie funk. <laughs> so did did we need another Spider-Man movie? Oh, I like it because it folds him into the MCU, and it's a completely different Spider-Man than we've had before. Um, I think there's, the one thing, the one complaint is, I think his suit had a little too much tech, mm. but it's done in a kind of a fun and funny way. And there are a lot of cameos. Oh, is there? <laughs> a lot of unexpected cameos. Well, I should say there's at least three people are in it that I have no idea were in it. I knew Tony Stark was in it. I knew Robert Downey Jr. was reprising his role as Tony Stark. And he's got a nice little balance of being in it, but he's not in it, you know, he's not in it too much. Like I kind of thought maybe they would do this whole overshadowing the character thing but they don't they, the they trailers almost make it feel like it's a yeah. double act uh, one of the people I didn't know was in it was Happy oh yeah, yeah Happy Hogan and a lot he, I mean I think I saw in the trailer he was in I don't one of remember them. seeing him really in the trailer only like set pictures he's in it a lot he's on the poster oh, oh yeah a really horrible poster yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was a fan poster nope Is that not official? that's official nope. that's an official oh. um, yeah he's in it a lot um and then there's a couple other cameos that I'm not going to mention on Mike because I want you guys to see them because they mm. were one of particularly was done very very clever, very clever. Hmm. I bet Stan Lee's in it. Stan's in it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew he'd be in it though. 
That's not one of the cameos I don't think he's talking about. It's a great story. Michael Keaton does a terrific job. How much of the Spider-Man origin story is in it? None. That's the thing. Really? Now, it's there, but it's only... There's brief references to it. There's no... So it's more there's like no origin, origin. There's there. It's more like somebody asks a question about. Well, he, as you know from the trailer, what his best friend finds out early on. Actually, it's in a montage of questions that he keeps asking after he's found out. He says, <laughs> "So you were bitten by like obviously off camera." Uh, Peter Parker has told him what happened. And he says, "You were bitten by a spider." How you know? It's, and that's it. I mean, they they don't go into. They don't even show us any of it visually. They just kind of drop enough hints for you okay. to just accept that he's. That yeah, makes me no feel origin. a little bit better yeah. about it, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's a fun, fun, fun film. And, I've heard it's really funny. Too. Yeah, and Tom Holland has the perfect Peter Parker like wit and humor and and you know spunk and it just style. It's so good. Nice. Yeah. Well, hey, we had a blast. Well, let's move on to some news. So, in my opinion, the big news: uh, San Diego Comic Con is coming up, obviously, later this month. There is quite a Doctor Who presence, and to me, the big Doctor Who presence news is there is going to be a classic Doctor Who panel at San Diego Comic-Con, hosted by the Nerdist's Kyle Anderson, so this all this information is coming from the Nerdist. It's going to feature the 5th Doctor, Peter Davison, 6th Doctor, Colin Baker, and Sophie Aldred, who played Ace. And then, thanks to BritBox... There will be a sneak peek at a newly reconstructed lost episode of The Wheel in Space. And it's coming to BritBox. It's unclear how it's going to be reconstructed as far as I can see. It doesn't say if it's animated. It doesn't say if it's going to be a a recon or what they're doing. But it looks like BritBox is starting into the reconstruction era. Glenn is our resident BritBox subscriber. Uh, BritBox hasn't said anything beyond the San Diego Comic-Con announcement. This is complete speculation on my part. I think it'll be probably a telesnap style reconstruction. I don't see them perhaps maybe out of the gate animating something. That seems like an unless thing. they announce something for two years down the line because it'll take a little while to put something like that together unless they do some really ultra basic animation. I have a feeling it'll be more like we saw from oh what was the one we got was it Underwater Menace yeah that was Telesnap reconstruction oh, and, uh, the BBC to entertain had done and and yeah that was my other example was Web of Fear I have a feeling it'll be something more like that it, the question is will it be like a Galaxy Four reconstruction where they put everything together as one piece you know we didn't have episode by episode or will we have you know all four episodes because those are the wheel of space is completely lost or it's not because if it's completely lost i don't know that they're going to commit to doing all four stories in uh, reconstruction i want to say it's not fully lost if it's something that they've only they're only missing one or two episodes then i could see them doing that but i would think it would be probably um at least still reconstruction which yeah. is a great which is great oh, yeah um, it's one that we haven't had before yeah that's two, well, the thing is to entertain has stopped doing the reconstructions and i think it's because it doesn't fit their their model anymore because their focus now is on the new series that's what makes them money and i think while we're very grateful that they have been doing what they've been doing i don't know that the dvd sales have been driving it well enough in order for them to continue so i don't they haven't quit altogether but i think they've put that on hiatus part of their thing wheel in space is a six-part story only two of the six are currently held in archives for missing so but it is the first appearance of zoe right so i wonder if uh perhaps they'll perhaps they will you say there's 
only two There's episodes only two. Are existing. Yeah. I have a feeling that we'll probably get more of a truncated version. But I don't know. Maybe they will re- recon the whole thing, reconstruct the whole thing. Well, I'm sure more details will come out at yeah. the, Planet Con, or the Comic-Con event. It's nice to see Brett Box saying, hey, you know, let's take some ownership on this. We have classic Doctor Who, and let's make things available to people that haven't seen them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, That's if it's done really anywhere exciting. near as well as the Galaxy 4 Recon, I would be fine with a truncated version of it. If it was done to that quality, because that one was very, very enjoyable. I'd much rather have an animated, all six of them. But I would, too. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll let, you'll let us know as soon as you find do, out, right? You're only going to animate them. You only do well, four of them. <laughs> animate the missing pieces right. to give me a full six-part adventure. But you'll you'll let us know as soon as you find out, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure we'll all know before. <laughs> me, just, <laughs> me being a subscriber to BritBox, I don't think I get any sort of insider. I don't know. They might send you an email. They might. Well, the panel will be Thursday, July 20th at 5. And we'll certainly get more information out of that panel, I'm sure, too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. And if anybody's going to San Diego Comic-Con, you are welcome to be our, our eyes and ears on the street. Our correspondent. We'll give you a badge. Uh, some psychic paper. <laughs> <laughs> it says all access, right? That's right. Uh, the other bit of news coming out of San Diego Comic-Con is pretty much most of the cast and crew of Series 10 will be in attendance for a panel. We got, what, Peter Capaldi, Pearl Mackey, Matt Lucas, I believe Stephen Moffat. Rachel Talalay. Rachel Talalay. That's kind of cool that people get a chance to talk to Pearl Mackey and everyone about the season that just ended, which will be a, a big change for San Diego. Normally, it's a, a tease in advance. Which makes me wonder how much of a tease in advance it really will be we will, if it's they, Christmas related. They will have a sneak peek of the Christmas episode, and they've released the title, which is The Doctor's. Because you couldn't use the two doctors. Nope. Oh, but maybe there's more than one. Oh. And you can't use the three doctors. <laughs> so you've either got to have four or just call it the doctors. I think you're being a little over-optimistic there. I know something you don't know. Do you? Not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> With the addition- or it could be called the first doctors. This is rampant speculation, but not on my part, on others, that because David Bradley is in it and because the idea has been floated of this, it's a wonderful life, that the First Doctor is going to be helping Capaldi come to grips with regeneration, that perhaps the two actors who were cast as the second and third Doctors but got cut from Adventure in Space and Time. Oh, well, well what's it? The second Doctor was there. Or, um, yeah. Uh, that they may also be involved in some way, shape, or form. I hope they find someone better than Mark Gatiss for the third Doctor, honestly. But, yeah, who knows? I hope they go get Sean Pertwee. <laughs> That's who I'd want to see. In other news, Galley has announced a new block of guests. Robert Sherman, John Dorney, Edward Russell, Derek Ritchie, Ginny Colgan, Jeff McCulloch. And these are a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes folks. I think the biggest name of that particular group is Rona Moreau, who just wrote Eaters of Light for this year and previously wrote Survival for the original series, and Wendy Padbury. So Yay! Zoe is making a return visit to Galley. Previously announced include Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred, Camille Cordry, Noel Clark, Fraser Hines, Terry Malloy, Lisa Bowerman, Jamie Matheson, Rachel Talley, etc., So they've got quite the lineup coming if you are in ownership of tickets to next year's February 16th through 18th event. We are very envious. Still a goal to get Wendy Padbury in person at some point. She's so cute. (laughs) She's just the cutest little thing. 
What about L.I. Who, Sean? L.I. Who 5 is coming up. That is November of this year, 10th through the 12th, Hyatt Regency, Long Island. If you didn't know, that's what L.I. stands for in L.I. Who. Their guests include Sylvester McCoy, Lala Ward, making a very rare convention appearance here in the States, Katie Manning, Ingrid Oliver has just been announced, so Osgood, the voice of K-9, John Leeson, Barnaby Edwards, and Michael Troughton. Friend of the show, John Peel, is also going to be there, so... They have some exciting Go get your candy jar book signed. Yeah. Already got mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, some of us didn't have that option, Glenn. Thanks for rubbing that in. Now i got to go all the way to New York to see him. (laughs) Oh, darn. Oh, darn. (laughs) (laughs) And we have one more bit of news. Yeah, speaking of uh, February 16th to the 18th, which Galley is on, I saw Bleeding Cool News broke that Planet Comic Con's dates next year will be February 16th through the 18th. And Planet Comic Con has uh, confirmed that because they posted this week, well, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> and they thank Bill for the write-up over there at Bleeding Cool News. So, Moving New dates, much early. Much yeah. earlier. Yeah, sure. Hi, baby. Well, that's it for news. Dun, dun, dun. Pretty slow week, of course. Uh, short record turnaround helps that. It's Doctor Who on? Doctor Who is not on. Aww. Well, let's move on to feedback. This is a bit of feedback that we missed last night in, or last night, last. It wasn't quite that almost. quick turnaround. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Last podcast uh, from Ben. Ben wrote in, so last night the family and I went to the drive-in. The gates open at 6 and the movie around 9-ish, depending on when the sun fully sets. They do a double feature there for $9 per adult and $4 per kids. So for about $26, we got to see two new movies. Last night it was The Spickle Me 3 and Cars 3. Both were good, but not spectacular. Well worth going and seeing, but you can tell that each is the third installment of their respective franchise. I would hope that barring's a spectacular story idea that each franchise calls it quits with these two. If not, they risk diminishing the franchise as a whole. Moving along, I watched the Doctor Who season finale this morning, Sunday, as the drive-in movies kept us out until about 1am. What a finale it was, though. Being the conclusion of a two-part story, the risk, and quite frankly, the history that the episode would be a letdown. It was anything but. Once again, it had everything for me. Moreover, it left me waiting anxiously for next season. It left us with enough unanswered questions to make us crazy during the wilderness time we must endure until the season proper begins. I doubt very much that we will learn much of anything in the Christmas special. It has never been a secret that I was anything but a fan of Moffat's tenure as showrunner. His choices often left me fuming. This season was the way to go out, though. I think that, for the most part, he knocked this one out of the park. One bit that niggled at me a bit, and it was 100% fan service, was when he uttered, I don't want to go, at the end when he could no longer hold off their regeneration. The line was cheesy in the extreme and served no purpose but to say hello to Tin's fan base. Beyond that, though, Peter's exit as the Doctor was everything one could hope for. The same goes for Bill. Whereas Clara was running off in the diner when she could have been dead irked me to the extreme. Bill's fulfilling her unrequited love with the woman who became the pilot was fantastic. I love that bit. Bill has this horrible experience ending up as a Cyberman, and it looked like her end, while heroic, would also be tragic. To see her reunite with Heather, she so clearly had a major crush on, was amazing. To be able to cruise the universe together. That one got me. I realized that they had not even gone out on a proper date before Heather became the pilot, but the way she and Bill looked at each other, each had the feel of deep, deep love. 
to see these two get a chance. That got the romantic in me. Before I forget, Sean. Yes? Last week's feedback saw me trolling you in good fun. I had seen your Facebook post concerning the name of the doctor as Doctor Who. While I really did like that bit, I featured that in my feedback to mess with you, good-naturedly. I would like to virtually high-five for the unintentional assist on said trolling when he said you read my feedback because of that bit. I couldn't have scripted it better if I had tried. Anyhow, that's all I have for now. I hope this finds everyone well. Have a happy and safe fourth, everyone, both at the show and listening. Take care. Oh, and I did a moderately-sized order on in Amazon using the link on your site. I hope that helps. If you look at my Facebook, you will see these nine books that I want to read via Goodreads. Those, along with the complete series on DVD of the cartoon Thundar the Barbarian, is what I got. <laughs> Woo! I'm pretty happy with the haul. More happy that in some way it helps you guys out. Ben. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. And yes, every little bit helps. Glenn, you want to expound on that? Every little bit of the uh, purchases that you spend on Amazon goes right back into this show. Actually, not every bit, but uh, a little bit, a fraction of it does. So, and Ben, you you don't ever have to explain uh, good-natured ribbing. These guys are always down for poking the bear with a stick, and I'm not quite sure exactly when I became the bear. That's the part <laughs> that I'm confused with. It used to be Glenn, mm-hmm. but I like not being called the bear anymore. Apparently, anger is my spirit animal from from inside <laughs> out. Right now. Just me and Lewis Slack hanging out together. <laughs> we just know everyone has their bear tendencies, and we just know each other's buttons to poke. Watching the endless parade of people on Facebook after the finale aired who were quoting the war machines. Doctor Who is required. Yes, I know. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue with you. It's canon. I know. <laughs> Oh, it's still wrong. He even signed his note, Dr. W, or you know, DRW in the uh, Underwater Mammoths. Yep. Well, since we're speaking of last week's episode, one of the things that I'd like to bring up that I forgot to talk about last week, and I'm quite surprised that we forgot about it. Of course, we had a lot going on. and, and Lots uh, to discuss. Yeah, lots to discuss, but we didn't talk about the Doctor bringing up all the other planets that the Cybermen have invaded when he says they happen everywhere there's people. Mondas, Telus, Earth, Planet 14, and Marinus. And oh. Here's what I like about this. Oh, I Here's what I like about this. Because I'll get there in a second because Keith knows what I'm going. Planet 14, which I have not read the book Iceberg, is Soul 14, or Planet 14. Planet 14 is Soul 14, which apparently the Mondasian Cybermen had invaded that planet as well after Mondas was destroyed which I think is very cool, that a book got a name drop by yeah. Stephen Moffat, who likes to weave these little things together for those of us like me who want everything to connect. <laughs> the other thing that I thought was cool, and one that Keith and I are both very familiar with, <laughs> is the Marinus plot, which Keith and I, when we did our Frobisher archive, he and I went one step further and had read a comic that it has the Six Doctor Frobisher and The Return of Jamie. And it, it was a Doctor Who strip that had the Cybermen invading Marinus and the Vord, I believe, willingly went to be... Yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, yeah. Cyber-converted to become Cybermen, too. Really? And so that's a nod to that particular Doctor Who magazine comic strip series that starred 
our friend Frobisher. <laughs> so, which I think is whenever we go back and do a second Frobisher archive, that'll be the beginning of the next set. So we'll get to those eventually. But I, I, I heard that and I thought, Marinus, what? And a little boom popped in my head. And I went, <laughs> oh yeah, that's that Jamie story that's fantastically done, but maybe not necessarily fits very canonically. But yeah, there's some, there's a, there's yeah, there's some, some issues, issues there. there. But which then, you know, Moffat, when he canonizes something like that by doing that, also in turn <laughs> opens a whole new can, new can of problems i thought that was neat the other thing that i wanted to do is i started postulating something else this week after this was been since we recorded the show was i got to thinking back at some things that nardle had said and i i didn't get a chance to delve too deep into researching this but i think this is the second life for nardle second life i think it is and the reason that i say that is because i think that nardle was someone else at one time or could have been hmm nardle when he talks about being blue once oh yeah nardle in one of the stories i can't remember says something about well this isn't my first face and then this week that is what keyed me into it when nardle and the doctor are having this conversation about nardle should be the one to stay behind and he makes the comment this is me we're talking about me you know what i was like if there are more than three people in a room, I start a black market. Do you wonder maybe if Moffat had in mind, but never went fully with it, that maybe Nardle is Dorium? Is who? Dorium Moldavar. Oh. Who was blue, would have been a different face, lost his head to the monks, mm-hmm. still survived said head. Nardle lost his head, survived. They were both very, very close with a certain river song. Mm-hmm. And Dorian Moldovar was very much a black market dealer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's how we're introduced to him. Hmm. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting idea. I like to think that maybe Moffat was going that direction with it, and maybe that fizzled out and he didn't quite go there, but he left enough trail of breadcrumbs for maybe the fans to pick up on that although i haven't heard anybody else talk about it hmm. or maybe it's moffat recycling ideas again what well, could be but why specifically that seems very specific yeah why specifically recycling? go with oh i was blue once and we also know that from the first story that nardle has been reconstructed and he must have a lot of mechanics in him because oh, yeah. nuts and bolts are dropping off of him in the first story of the season, the pilot. We also know that he did lose his head and the rest of his body. We know that the doctor has reconstructed him in some ways and that he has human lungs because he had to use all human lungs for him. So it's an interesting idea. Do you think when he put Nardle together, he had the arrow pointed forward? Had the arrow pointed forward. What does that mean? Isn't it forward or is it up? What do you mean? When he's reconstructing K9 at the beginning of uh, oh. Destiny of the Daleks, <laughs> and he spins in circles, do you think Nardle spun around and fell over? I bet at one point, yes. And he stopped and went, always put the arrow forward. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd throw it out there. I just got to thinking, and I thought that might have been a clever idea. little... Uh, maybe he was leaving those bed breadcrumbs for, for us to discover. Why don't you throw that out there? Why don't I mean, other than here, put it out on the net and say... Well, this will go out on the net. 
cast what, he, a, what he's saying is our listenership is, is too <laughs> yeah. small. Yeah, I know. Cast yeah. a wider net. Cast a wider net. Put, put it out on Gallifrey Base. Huh? Put it out on the interwebs yeah, and say, Gallifrey Base. what does everybody think of this idea? And I'm curious to see how many people go, oh, and nibble. What if I just want to share this with our listeners and make it special to them? And if they want to carry it forth, then they can do so. You're so lazy. <laughs> I'm very lazy. <laughs> All right, listeners, I'm leaving it up to you. Cast a wider <laughs> net. Everybody go into your favorite forum and discuss. That's why I do a uh, podcast, so I don't have to go out on the forums. And <laughs> just, just remember our motto, credit where credit is due. <laughs> Glenn over at Traveling the Vortex had this really great idea. He thinks that Nardal is Dorium. What? Yeah, think about it. I like the idea so much that in my head, that's who he is. But <laughs> until Moffat tells me otherwise, he left me enough clues, I'm going with it. Yeah. I don't know. I think Dorian maybe was a little snazzier dresser. I don't think he'd have been caught dead in a stocking cap. But eh, maybe. <laughs> Would have interfered with his Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Well, let's move on to class. I think we can well, probably just recap one and two, since we, we technically have already discussed the first yeah. two. What were you guys' impressions of the season as a whole? Let's start there. And then we can start breaking it down episode by episode. I didn't think it sucked. It really grew on me. I thought it was decent and enjoyable. I will say, it's even having completed it now, I still think it's the weakest of the, all the Doctor Who spinoffs. Possibly even including K-9 and Company. <laughs> but I enjoyed it for what it was. I, thought I, was, I was entertained. And I would agree. I was a little little miffed that there's not going to be any more, potentially. Oh, I know. Especially the way that they end it. Yeah. Now it's frustrating. It got better as it went. I was very impressed by the first two episodes of the season. But I think it, it continues to get better when it finally finds its feet. I think it's wonderfully acted. I think all of the performers in it do a fantastic job. And I think it's got a lot of heart. Its direction is terrific. And I think the special effects are, are top-notch. Especially for being a television series there are parts of it that i enjoyed and i had a lot of fun with and i thought were very exciting i think because i'm not its target audience though and it is geared more towards young adults and this is not to its fault because i mean that's that's the audience it's trying to reach and this doesn't ever seem to bother me because i watch skins which is kids of the same age and that's Mm -hmm. all that is is about relationship drama and that kind of stuff but when it's sandwiched in here it's sometimes it felt forced Sometimes it felt like yeah. we were we were putting the brakes on in order to do things like when she phones. She's going back to the school in this last episode. I think it was the last episode. She's headed back to the school and she has to stop and explain. She calls Ram to explain on the phone about her feelings that she because of what she said in the last episode. And I'm thinking... The Shadow King is here, and you know it, and you've stopped for 10 minutes to call Ram to talk to him about this. Get in the building. So, But there's a lot. I don't remember. But that was specifics. important from the standpoint that I feel like she didn't think she was getting out of it. I, and that's why she made that I would call. agree with that, but it seemed very quick and awkward in the position that they did it. I think she should, she should have said that before he left. There were other moments, oh, too, yeah. where I felt like there were situations where well okay here another example would be in the one where all of the the dead uh, bodies are coming back and that the ones being that's you know, the, the plant things or whatever yeah. what was it episode three yeah episode three we've got our uh the polish guy i don't remember anybody's names so Mat- forgive Matthias. me Matthias. the polish guy the prince and charlie the woman the, the quill quill 
we've got them rushing around trying to figure out what's happening. And then we've got Ram and... April? April. Sitting on a bus bench <laughs> talking about... Folk music. Yeah. <laughs> There's bad things happening. You see these strings everywhere. The sense of urgency is shut way down again in that situation as they're sitting on a bench talking about folk music. And I understand it's for character development. It's for character building. It's it's relationship development, too, because it's a very relationship-driven uh, show. Oh, yeah. But they just seem like these really awkward moments to do that. And that, that's the one thing that kept taking me out of the story was all of this teen drama right in the middle of, of the action or the, the, the necessity to help somebody else. We've got a break for five minutes to talk about high school stuff. It just, <laughs> it, that, that annoyed me. And it, that it, that it one was, was awkward. It was very yeah. obvious in a lot of stories and it happened frequently. And I kept thinking, Although I, think... I know this has to get in, but you're just... I felt like it got maybe I just got more used to it, but I felt it got better as the season progressed. I think like the, it was so front loaded with the teen angst. The best the latter use, half was better. The best use of it is when the prince and the Polish guy are being forced by the headmistress to use the uh, thing on the, the little pedals. Souls. Yeah, use yeah. the cabinet souls on the little pedals, and they're having their teen drama as the thing's happening and that was well done because really well done. The, the conversation is placed in the situation in the moment and mm-hmm. it works really yeah. well there so i give them kudos for that but there was just there was far too much of that for me and so i just i really wanted the the meat of the story i just wanted it to to move along and if you could continue to build the relationships within the stressful situations as the bottle episode which i think was my least favorite yeah my least favorite uh, maybe yeah. the coach was probably the, the coach with the dragon yeah. was the my least favorite that was my second least favorite the bottle episode in the classroom with the prisoner there's a lot of terrific dra- uh, dialogue and i think the relationships are really explored well there and so that's what that does well but there's not a lot happening, and that's oh, no. that's the problem no. with the bottle it's, episode. Yeah, that's all character. But and if all if all of if they could have handled those relationship and character building situations just as well as they did in the bottle episode, although they have time to do it there. <laughs> but if they could have handled it in such a, a way that they did there, I think that that would have been much better. I think that that for me, I would have enjoyed the the series much better. Oh, another good example is when they jump through to go to the Shadow King's realm with her, Ram and Carol. Ram April. And April. April. Why can't I remember her name? You got Ram down. Ram and I got Ram down. Ram and April jump through there. There's two or three times where they're on their way to kill the king and they stop two or three times to have these discussions. And I understand that there's a, a blossoming romance there happening and their relationships. But there's at least three times that they stop and the momentum <laughs> of the story gets dragged down because we're having these angst moments. And it just... There's too much of that. But, again, uh, to go back to the good things, yes, I, they, there are, are some good things about this. And there are, the humor is, I think, it's, it's highlight. They, they know when to put a, a punchline in there or, or a, 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 a witty humor. And it never felt forced and that never felt fake. And so yeah. I, I appreciated when the when they would be funny, especially Quill. I think she had some of the best lines. And it was it was very much in... It wasn't like a forced joke in there. It was very much in her character. So they did that really well. The humor in this 
to especially with some of the really heavy moments they were able to you know inject that levity there and that that helped a lot yeah. so i felt i i overall enjoyed the season uh there were some things that were inconsistent for me that it felt like they didn't handle things consistently either and some things which i absolutely loved like in the pilot where charlie's talking to april after he gets the heart she gets the heart issue and he's like if something starts happening tell me and she's like like i would keep that a secret three episodes later something's happening and she's keeping it a secret it's so frustrating where you had this brilliant moment and showed her as a great strong character that is level-headed and will not do the stupid thing and then later she does the stupid thing Mm -hmm. those were my bigger issues with it with the fact that the the in-show inconsistencies i can see a lot of the teen angst stuff you're talking about but i felt like they get a little better or I just got used to it and was okay with it. Didn't care much about it, but I just kind of dealt with it to get to the better aspects of the stories. Yeah. Glenn's not wrong. The season's a little uneven. It, uh, it, 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 it wavers. I think it does get better, but a large portion of that I think is the structure of the season because of the eight episodes, six of them really kind of all together deal with the setup in the in the pilot and the Shadow King and, and, and things of that nature. And it's episodes two and three, the coach with the dragon tattoo and then the, the, the pod people that are I would I would argue the, the bottle week. episode is more monster of the week. It's character it's character and relationship, but it's less Shadowkin. It's less Shadowkin, but it still sets up for It's it sets the characters in the correct position mentally for the events in the finale. It's the utopia of the two part finale almost. Uh, yeah. Um, that's a bit of a stretch in a my bit, opinion but, <laughs> that's not I, a bit of a stretch that's a big stretch I, I, I think it sets well we'll get there when we when we break it down individually but there's better analogies I think um, like I said it just I, the, the the overall story arc I think worked better for it than per se the monster of the week but back to what you said yes. about the inconsistencies that was very much still there Ram is a prime example that he starts off as one character mm-hmm. and they kind of set him off on this arc and you think, oh, okay, he's going to be the, the action hero kind of, other, but he's not. He kind of turns into a, a sniveling, whiny... Lovesick puppy. <laughs> lovesick puppy, um, you know, by the end of the episode and, and went from being a character that I was really enjoying to a character that if you didn't make it, I'd kind of be okay with that at this point. <laughs> well, and then he was inconsistent within the episodes. Like the finale... He's so, I, and understandably, he's so angry about what happens in it and wants this action. But then when that action happens, he's so devastated and upset by it. They like, start to drive him back to his his first part of the series character. Yeah. yeah. Which I was afraid they were going to go way back there. They didn't. But yeah, there there is that. Well, then, and then the I had initially issue with the bludgeoning or burgeoning romance between him and April. The fact that in the pilot his girlfriend dies and is killed right in front of him super traumatic horrible thing and two episodes later she and he he and april are kissing and things are developing i mean it's it seems i know it's only so many episodes to do this story in but it seemed too quick well and i think that that would have been fixed had it felt like there was a lot of time that these eight episodes took up took place over a long stretch of time but they don't. They really feel like days within well, each other. Well, there's even reference by, I think, episode four when they finally have sex. 
it's been a month. There's a date reference specifically of all the crazy stuff in the past month. Wow, I, I, I know young love is fast and moves quickly, but I don't know if a real person would get over seeing the person they supposedly care about so much killed right in front of them that quickly. Even if you are 17. Maybe you just get numb to it. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think it's part of that inconsistency that's that's just not quite there. It's almost felt like they need they realized, oh, we need a romantic relationship here other than Charles and Matthias. We need uh, another pairing of some sort to move forward. Well, it was frustrating, too, from the standpoint that it kind of fundamentally changed April. Yeah. Um, because she starts off as one character, and she's the very level-headed, likable... I don't want to say goody two shoes, but uh... well, I, I love that conversation she has about how everyone thinks nice means one thing, but it's right. not. And yeah, that I know people like that, and I liked her as that character. And then she does change once they kind of. And part of that is the is the shadowkin the stuff. shadowkin stuff and coming to own that in that two parter in the middle, and her whole demeanor, her her way of dress, her hair, everything changes after that as she kind of was exploring this newfound confidence of hers. But it didn't feel so much like it was coming from the Shadowkin stuff as it felt more like it was the relationship with Ram that yeah. may have been the cause of it. And I was kind of like, oh, this is... If and, you hadn't and that had that of, there, this would have worked better, I think. And I think that sort of stuff would have worked a little better had the show focused primarily on her. Because it was an ensemble, it seems quicker. I can see that, but I disagree. Actually, I did like April's character development and I like that both of those elements are what changed her uh, because if she had bounced back and forth as far as her consistency and character I would have an issue with it but she really her character goes from A to B and and changes and and does grow and becomes a stronger character and she's not so meekish and she's not so let people walk all over her by the end of this and I think it's because they give a reason for that because of her experiences because of her relationship with Ram and what he's going through and their blossoming uh, romance and the fact that she's sharing her heart with the Shadow King I think that was these uh, really nice reasoning for her to, to evolve and change the way she does. So I quite liked that. The issue no. with it, I, I agree with you, Glenn. The issue with it is that it's all done in an episode. As opposed well, to multiple episodes. It, it does it does feel rushed, but I, I there there are moments that it goes faster than others. But I think easily what happens is if you rush that in an episode, and then by the beginning of the episode you're kind of back you kind of backed off of that. Mm -hmm then I would have a problem with it. They did but they didn't back least. off yeah. of it. They continued. So you just you did have that accelerated piece, but they didn't back off. They kept going with it. So yeah. the momentum remained, and I think that's why I didn't have a problem with it going so quickly. Maybe it was just more the relationship aspects that I wasn't thrilled with that, that I felt that way. But again, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed her arc. In fact, I think April April's probably my favorite character out of the whole group, other than Quill. Quill is fantastic. <laughs> she she is great. I I bring her on as the next companion. I'd be okay with that. I just I think she's fascinating and interesting and hot and just everything that, that everything that she did on screen was captivating. And there were times when I was rooting for her to kill Charlie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I shouldn't have been. And that's that's how engaging she was. But uh, April was probably my favorite out of the kids. Yeah. Uh... As the season go went on, 
she became less of my a favorite of mine. I didn't. I began to like them more almost equally, and I actually started liking Matthias even more than some of the others. And kind of wished because I noticed in the structuring of the season, if you so, I I think the way they structured it was on purpose because we got the pilot setting everything up. Episode two focuses on Ram. Episode three focuses on Tanya mostly, and then the rest is pretty much. We got the two, the big two-parter with Claire or with April and Charlie, kind of taking center stage. Then we get all of them again, Quill, and then the finale. So it's kind of we needed those two standalone monster of the weeks to develop these other side characters. And I kind of wish we had gotten a little bit more of Matthias, other mm-hmm. than. Matthias is the Polish guy? Yeah. 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 See, Other than in conjunction with Charlie. That's the problem is Matthias becomes very two-dimensional, but he has to be because he's the anchor for Charlie. Exactly. Yeah. And so his motivations can't change because and I, he's I think the he reason, he's consistent. the struggle for, yes. for the prince. And so, unfortunately, I just, by the time we got halfway through the season and they'd started developing that relationship, he became wallpaper for me. So I didn't really, I didn't care for it. In fact, I got quite frustrated that that continued to be the founding reason why he, uh, what's the prince's name again? Charlie. 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 That's why Charlie, there, you know, that was one of the mitigating factors why Charlie would not use the weapon. But it seemed to be, it just kept going to that. And it's fine that it did, and I know why they used it, but I almost got frustrated and tired of that being the anchor for those last four episodes. Oh, so. yeah. Well, let's go into more specific episode by episode breakdown. Uh, we obviously did our reviews of the pilot and the second episode. I rewatched the pilot, uh, but I did not rewatch the second episode. I didn't take anything more away from it other than this adorable story. So I'm sitting there watching it, Jim on my lap or on my chest or holding her. Uh, and Peter Capaldi walks on screen. She's not been paying attention to anything, she's sleeping. Her eyes shoot wide open. And she turns her head and stares straight at the TV the entire, the rest of the episode at the sound of Peter Capaldi's voice. She's got good taste. Yeah, absolutely she does. 12 is her doctor. Apparently. Which, it does make sense. I mean, last 12 weeks she's heard Capaldi's voice in utero for the most part. (laughs) I don't think there's any... uh any change in the thought process that the, the pilot for tonight we might die is the strongest one. And a lot of that hinges on the fact that the doctor's in it. Aside from uh, going back and rewatching it, I did see some of those issues that Glenn had of the doctor easily solving the problem very quickly and kind of brushing everything off. Yeah. I, I saw a bit more of that. It's because he's the doctor. Yeah. Well, that's fine. But I mean, when you're starting a series, you need it to stand on its own, in my opinion. Now, that being said, once I'm glad that the doctor doesn't show up again. And once you get through the series, it's a little more forgiving that the doctor took care of it that one time. Because these guys shouldered a lot of stuff through the rest of the series. So in hindsight, I can be a little more forgiving on the fact that they did that. But I won't go back on what I was saying about how I felt like he kind of came in and cleaned things up a little too quickly and easily. But yeah. Well, night visiting. So moving on to episode three. Yes. London is invaded by an eerie alien and the team must battle to save Tanya. Yeah, okay. Well, you could make that synopsis work. 
It's the 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 the, the pod episode. I thought something was in the couch there. <laughs> no, that's my rat. What is it? Key's foot. Um, it's the pod episode with the plant and bringing yeah. souls back of dead people as dead people. It was to uh, try and capture the living. It was a very atmospheric and. I thought fairly creepy episode and served a, a well purpose into delving into Tanya's character. But other than that, it didn't do much for me. Agreed. Uh, I'm on the same page. I, I, I did appreciate the fact that we got a lot of Tanya's story in it. Yeah. Um, we know what happened to her dad. And I actually kind of like the idea of the alien entity utilizing, you know, people's memories and connections to the past and their grief yeah. and things like that that was clever but i'm the same way as you guys it was just beyond that it was just kind of there so. and i had a little bit of i had trouble suspending disbelief with the visualization of this alien of all i, I got the idea that they're branches of a tree but it was almost too literal and the fact that there are these vines all over london and nobody else is noticing them at all there's night workers. Not everyone's asleep. I mean, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a stretch for me. I know they were attacking people too, but it it just seems too unconvincing. Maybe it was just the borough. Maybe it wasn't all of London. Maybe. I don't know. It hadn't it's, spread yet. It looked like it from some of the wide shots. Yeah, some of them did. It like was a Sheffield is what the, 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 the suburb. It was a far stronger uh, Monster of the Week episode than the previous, The Coach with the Dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Is, and it gave it its own, the show its own tone and feel, whereas The monst- uh, the Coach with the Dragon Tattoo almost had a Misfits aspect feel to it, from what yeah. I remember. This had its very own distinct, I keep I kept trying to, put my finger on what does this seem like what does this feel like and i could never find something to to finally put it down on apparently that's just class in a way i think the the whole show kind of is aiming to be a more grown-up scary sarah jane adventures oh yeah i totally think it's uh, that's the template for it it's torchwood's teen brother or sister yeah or Sarah Jane's teen brother or sister. <laughs> I mean, to the same extent. It's it's that weird it's kind that of middle step. child. Yep, it is. It, <laughs> it, it really it, is. It's, it's a middle child in between Sarah Jane and Torchwood, but it still doesn't quite fit Doctor Who. Because also in the in in the season as a whole, while the contents and the themes and the ideas were much more grown up. Most of the season, I thought, wasn't as adult as the pilot was, as visually and as gore aspect of it. There were a couple of times, but other than that, I mean, there was no limbs getting cut off in every episode and blood squirting everywhere. There were only a couple of gory moments, I thought, from the entire season. Well, in the, in the two-parter that comes up next, um, yeah, the flowers. Yeah, that, that's one of them, and then yeah. the metaphysical engine is pretty much the only other one I can think of off the top of my head. And, and the medical physical engine, or what Quill did, I think it's clever. <laughs> yeah. uh, clever, clever. Uh, there, the gore in that was more science fiction gore, not really. Well, I was it was more fantasy gore than at it the was. end with her eye. You could kind of really see that. I suppose so. Yeah. I still don't think that was as. I don't as think that was as bad. Disturbing as the, no, no, imagery as, as those those things attacking those. Uh, the petals. Petals attacking. Oh yeah, yeah, or the leg coming off and yeah oh right right ram's leg which i wonder how much of that was 
the ram's leg thing was was it was it really that violent or was it just that it was that unexpected violence that could be because i mean it's a main character that all of a sudden and we were expecting a doctor who spinoff show not to be as yeah you know graphic i don't know not defending it just curious yeah co-owner of a lonely heart april's connection to corcorinus strengthens a sinister invasion begins I really, really liked this one. This was a really good April story. It was a great April story. And I really liked the finale. This this is when the show started to gel for me. Agreed. Was And started to pick up. And, I could, and even through most way through the episode, it's like, oh, okay, we're dealing with her dad. And okay, whatever this flower storyline is, whatever's going on there. And But I, it was really the April stuff, even though a lot of the romance felt rushed. So much of the April character growth like you talked about glenn i was i was on board with and then the the fact that everything that goes down in the actual last 10 minutes or so just wow part of i think part of it was my expectations i did not expect this show i expected this sort of thing to be the season finale Finale. i thought the same thing and the fact that it was the mid-season finale, mm-hmm. or even though there wasn't a break. Well, it was it was it was the mid-season arch though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the the halfway points was just it just wowed me in that for that aspect alone. Yeah, so much so that by the time we get to the next episode, that thought we were going to resolve this whole Shadow King thing. Too. Oh yeah, so did I. I really thought that this was it, and I thought, where are we going from here? But they didn't. <laughs> I almost they did. They did. I almost wish it had. I think that this is one of those where I think the setup in in part one is brilliant. Everything about this episode worked for me. I was riveted, and I I, I really like the flower bit, the, the the I don't know B plot, if you will, um, because it's a quiet invasion. It's not Cybermen stomping through the streets or or you know Dalek saucers hovering over London. It's flower petals, which and you would not. Most people wouldn't notice. Yeah, you would not give this a second glance, except for what's his name, the Polish Matthias kid. Does is, yeah. Except right Matthias, away. which is one, you know, thing. Oh, cool, Matthias is because at this point, Matthias is kind of just hanging out with them almost, and it's like, are you part of this group or not? I'm kind of surprised you're still here, other than the love interest. But then he's the one that's asking the questions, and it's like, I kind of like this guy, and it was unfortunate that it's right at this moment when I'm kind of going, oh, cool. That he becomes wallpaper mm-hmm. and and is shunted into being the emotional anchor for Charlie for the rest of the season. Well, but he does to some extent get to continue with those logical what's going on here. Like when Quill shows back up at the end of the detention episode. Yeah, yeah. What, what happened to your eye and your hair? Unfortunately, that inquisitive nature is not drawn upon in the whole bottle episode. That's true. That's left to Tanya. <laughs> yeah. And I think that they should have been able he to... should sh- have been the one that Well, did it, or yeah. they at least had more equal time and him yeah. be more questioning in that one. But I would agree. He was, at that time, he was reassurance for um, Prince. Uh, yeah. Why can't I remember names? Charlie. 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 I guess it just we'll wasn't as invested. Bravish hearts. <laughs> April must confront Korakinus. As the others try to save the Earth from extinction. So the second part of this, as, as brilliant as the setup in part one was, I kind of think fell down a little bit, as most two-parters, when you get to the finale, kind of tend to not quite live up to the promise of the I first. Agree. I think the Shadowkin stuff does. I think the flower stuff, well, granted, it was just establishing. I think the 
flower stuff build to a satisfactory climax? For the most part. I think the flowers are great up until it's time to use the weapon. And then it kind of felt like it got bogged well, down in this. But suddenly it's it becomes glaringly obvious why the B-plot is there. Mm-hmm. Because the if, if uh, Charlie has to use the weapon on it, then he can't use the weapon or the weapon can't be used for anything else. And is that worthy of it? And does he, because, what's his name, Matthias? Matthias. Matthias, you know, he's afraid of what he'll think because he uses it or lose him. You know, so suddenly it becomes glaringly obvious why the subplot is there in order to cause the conflict. Right. And so suddenly it cheapens the subplot because you realize this isn't going to go anywhere. And... It's competing against the subplot now. Suddenly, is competing against April and Ram <laughs> in the dimension of the or in the planet of the the Shadowkin, and suddenly it's like they're they're trying to counterbalance those stories, and it almost weakens that story as well. Because while her character and ambitions and things are really built up and wonderful at the end of the uh, first part of this. I she that the um, the strength and and all of the toughness and everything wasn't as bold by the end of this this time. She didn't seem as tough of a character when she's finally going up against the king. It took too long to get to the yeah, king. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was okay. We jumped through the crack, but apparently you're not terribly accurate with us because you divided us just you know ten miles outside of town. We've got to walk <laughs> through the mountains. It's very. Return of the King. Oh, which we even got a reference to. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Frodo. <laughs> um, so there, there was just, we're lost in the woods. There's a lot of not happening going on and relationship discussions and just hurry up and get to the King. That's the part that we, you know, and I understand that's the finale. That's, that's the, that's what you paid your money for, but I didn't need all this leading up to it. Speaking and you're right. It cheapens the flowers. I mean, cause I, there's some yeah. fantastically, a little gore <laughs> when the guy's up against the glass having been eaten by these carnivorous flowers and the fact that, you know, the the way they multiply and the fact that we're going to be suffocated if you don't get... This is a terrifying oh, yeah, threat. Yeah, absolutely. But then that gets bogged down by the, are we going to use the weapon or are we not? Are we going to have this moment or not? Am I going to lose you? Am I not? And the, the, the governess, who initially I thought was a really great interesting character i was very very pleased that the robot which was the one kind of good bit from the coach episode oh who are the governors that they immediately dive into that that we don't it's not kind of the end of the season oh here's another little dangling you know breadcrumb we're going to get right into it now with some extent with, with you know the governors that we when we rebuilt the school we instituted this new board and we're doing this and we're keeping tabs on things it's like oh okay cool but then she kind of went nowhere yeah. and just became the heavy because she was needed to be. And it's like, eh. So it, it was frustrating because as much as I really liked the first part of this, I mean, it's still a great two-part arc. It's still very strong, especially in comparison to the rest of the series. But I just don't think it quite lived up to where I wanted it to. It sort of fizzles at the end. I yeah. Think. yeah. But April does wind up being king of the Shadowkin, yeah. which is cool. Going back to the previous episode, uh, no. I really... No, <laughs> it is cool until they completely strip that away with one line in, in the finale. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. 
Going back to the previous episode. Basically, I'm sorry. Basically, all <laughs> that did, all of that did was sever the connection to their world so that they could have two more episodes before they got to the end. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty so, much. Go ahead. Uh, but going back to the previous episode and the stuff with the Shadowkin King, I really found all the, the stuff that we watched them go through quite interesting and... Some of it quite hilarious. So the fact of when they when April and Ram finally have sex, and then the king and the because they're connected, hmm. and then he wanted to cuddle afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's more of that humor that just fits in perfectly. Uh, that yeah. one that one felt forced and out of place to me, but uh, that was the only one. I enjoyed that. I thought, I, it, was I, I, I thought yeah. it was a great joke. <laughs> For a, and. Uh, more than anything, it was a joke out of a character I never expected. <laughs> I think that's why it felt forced and out of character for mm. me. So, But that's all right. I forgave it. <laughs> Detained. Trapped in detention, dark truths emerge and fractures form in the friendship group. I really liked this one. I can't believe you didn't like this no, episode. Yeah. Uh, if more had happened, I uh, it's it. Uh, this one I think... This one's a little story-driven, which is fine. I, I, I appreciate story-driven. I mean, Midnight in The Doctor Who is one of my favorite uh, stories. And that's all bottle episode, and it's all, you know, completely story-driven. There's very you mean, little action or anything. You mean character-driven. Character-driven. Obviously, yeah. story-driven. Obviously, all of them are story-driven. Character-driven in that one. Um, this one, though... Ow. <laughs> it might have been my... Just did my thing and I hit my glasses. All right. Yeah, I just the, the glasses, you know, smashed down on my nose because I was fiddling with my my headgear. <laughs> it really hurt. Sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. It might have been my frame of mind at the time of watching it because I was tired after doing a lot of stuff around the house. But it, I, I at times I felt kind of bored, even even as they ratcheted up the 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 tension between them. I never really felt the threat, the weight of the threat. And by that, I mean, they kept trying to state that you couldn't hold the rock for too long or it'd burn your brain out. And then they had all these tense moments of who's picking up the rocks next. But it never felt like anybody was in any real danger. It was just a lot of them, you know, the anger that was driving them. And I, I did like the concept of the confession first and then truth after mm -hmm. that. Um but I don't know, it just, it felt like there was way too much struggle and yelling at each other in order to drive home more of the character, which, again, then also works in the sense that, like Keith said, it, it did a lot to kind of put, uh, set everybody up for where they needed to be emotionally for the, for the, the finale. But I keep wanting to, I keep thinking there's only one more episode after that because... Of the what I did like about this, what I did like about this wonderful, wonderful thing, has to do with the second episode. <laughs> is that that what Quill locks them in the room, puts them into detention because she's going to get this thing removed, and then coming back at the end, and her hair's longer and she's got a scar, and he says, "You've only been gone forty five minutes," and she says, it felt like a lifetime to me, and I was like, "Wow, that yeah. was really clever." I hope we get to see what's going what happened to her in that time, and they do cleverly do that. So as a pair, the episodes work really well, and I liked that. But they're, they're just a lot of too much. They're, they're just a lot of just too much 
talking and interplay among the characters for me in this one. Yeah, I, I kind of, I uh, to some extent agree. I, as much as I enjoy the character uh, exploration and the conflict between them, it did feel like after, especially after the two-parter we just had and strongly moving the main plot forward, it felt like we were treading water a little bit. That's what it is. That's a good analogy, treading water. For what it felt like. I think the 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 build up for the episode, the situation, <laughs> the play on words, detained. <laughs> um, all of that is great. The character development through the scenario is great. It's it's very tense. It's very character driven. It's very important to move these pieces from where they're at at the end of the two parter to set them up for the end of the series where the episode falls down is the quick resolution at the end the the you, you mentioned the threat that you didn't really feel that they were any danger i mean for me the danger was the the confinement they don't know where we're at they're Especially outside time Charlie. and space how do we get home but all of that was kind of shunted to the side. That, to me, was the story. But it was shunted to the side so that we could deal with this prisoner. And everybody's freaking out that he's in yeah. the room with them. But right. that's never really developed. And then when Charlie picks up the rock and the thing's saying, confess, and he's like, I already have. What else you got? And we get kind of a line about on his planet that a wish is just as good as... And yeah. It's like, what? How does that affect with this creature and then the creature's last line which again very kind of like with the shadowkin everything was very over heavily modulated and difficult to understand yeah the dialogue that i heard was you're my murderer and then the rock that, breaks and falls right. apart that was yeah that's what he said okay how yeah exactly <laughs> that's the that's the part where the episode falls yeah, apart for I, I, I would agree i'm glad you brought that up because i felt like i was either i either missed something or got confused in the whole interplay because i wondered the same thing i thought okay surely they're going to touch on this more we're going to find out more about this later and then it felt like they didn't do anything with it yeah and i don't know if it's set up for something down the road that is this somebody that the prince did sentence to uh, death at some point in time in the past that we're going to come back to it or well we won't now but um it just it just felt like i think the the focus was off for for how they resolved it to get out of it and then the maybe uh, it's because so i think the idea of the wish that it's talking about it's because they their species believe that the desire is just as the desire to kill is just as bad as the act of killing, and that line's brought up early on between Charles with with the love aspect, Charlie and um, Matthias. Matthias, yeah, the, the whole wish analogy. So it's tying, it's tying that back yeah, in. Yeah, it is brought the up idea, there as well. I think the idea is supposed to be that because he feels so guilty about wanting to kill, to use the the, the chamber or the, the the thingy cabinet of souls. Yeah, the cabinet of souls, and kill all the shadowkin. His, he has so much guilt that that guilt, however it happens, kills the prisoner too. And so that's why you're my murderer because you just killed me by having all of this guilt that I can't handle. See, and that seems really It's nebulous. a bit of a stretch. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I had to work my way through it, but. And TARDIS Wiki's synopsis helped me kind of. 
clarify that a little bit, but just you're, you're you're more guilty than the prisoner who has murdered people because you want to commit genocide but haven't, right? And therefore you have just killed this guy. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> great, for, great episode, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> everything up to that, yes, but then it fell apart. Yeah. But then it brought it back with Quill stumbling in and, and blowing the yeah, rock up. And it's like, that. what the that. hell is going on here? <laughs> Why are you using a gun? <laughs> and then we find out yeah. what the hell is going on here. Well, literally, because they go to hell. <laughs> Why are you using a gun? Yeah. And Why is your hair low? <laughs> I was like, and what happened to your eye? What happened to your eye? I was like, I didn't yeah, even the notice gun the gun thing is more important before. here. <laughs> well, and then when she faints and falls over, Mel sat up off the couch and went, what but is she, that? Did we see her faint and fall over at the end of that particular episode? Because yes. I didn't remember that. I remembered it happening at the end when they recap it in her episode. But I didn't remember her falling on the floor there. I thought he. I thought they ended the episode with, uh, and things are going to change. And then they, That's what I thought, too. Yeah, they, they Maybe cut they did. There. Now she, Maybe I'm flashing They go then. back, and when they finish that scene again in the next scenes, she says, and, and things are going to change. And then she passes out. Yeah. So I don't think that happened the first time. I think they cut it before. Maybe that you're right. There. What's the next episode, Keith? <clears throat> the metaphysical engine or what Quill did. <laughs> I just, the, 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 the title of that I just love. Oh, me too. With the gang trapped in detention and out of the way, Miss Quill accepts Dorothy's astonishing offer to help remove the Arn the from her head so she can finally reclaim her freedom. I think this one was my favorite. This was my favorite, too. But I also have some reservations on it. It was quite enjoyable and clever, and I I really liked the headmistress in this one. Mm -hmm. This is where I started really developing a fondness for the character. And not necessarily that I was rooting for her or that she was a good guy or something. It was more of a she... They were they were gradually building upon her character and who she is, and she was becoming very interesting and intriguing. Not to mention that it has a lot of quill, which I've always liked. I think she's yeah. been one of the strongest parts of this. And then introducing this other, you know, this changeling who is trapped in form and then for some reason was a prisoner of the, the governor's. I mean, we find out why later. But, you know, all of this kind of coming together, I, I thought, was great. Unfortunately... All of it building up to her procedure to remove the thing was was fantastic. Then when they get left on the planet, I got I get lost. I have no idea what happened there. I know that they you know they had that relationship and they obviously had sex there in the in the room and because she got impregnated by him. But um, and they have this you know this mutual respect and also this this romantic bond that has been created because of what they went through. In this really clever device, which I thought was neat, oh, where they I were the they were going engine. to yeah they were going metaphysical engine they were going to these metaphysical realms in order to get these pieces so that he could you know do this surgery, but then you find out that they're in the box, the cabinet, yeah, and she's leaving them there, and I pleaded with the governors but this was i lost i got completely lost as to why the heck did they drop them off there why did they have why did they why did one of them have to fight to come back other than to 
add some you know drama there into the the mix there yeah, i got I really lost after I that i didn't quite get why one had to kill the other in order to leave either not to mention in the fight that they're having we're cutting to the dialogue that they're having too which served to confuse me even more because i couldn't tell what was going on and then he picks the gun to shoot her but he doesn't turn it on himself it like fires it backwards at him yeah i didn't understand that I, it's they never explained that so all the way up until them walking out and realizing they're in the box. I loved this episode. It was great. It was all of that afterwards. I was so lost and confused and had no idea what was going on that I wish they had just washed that away. And she now they had to have a reason. I knew that there had to been a time passage or something, and that was the other thing I felt I got cheated on. I thought yeah. she was going to do one of these uh, um, Picard well, things where she lives a life and then comes back to that point in time. No, she touches one of the spirit things and it ages her. I, 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 yeah, the I, head I wish she had walked the desert for however long yeah, to find the exit or something. The headmistress sets it up that time works differently here. And so I thought, okay, this is where we're going to find out why, why her hair gets longer and why she thinks she's, you know, or she thinks she's been gone longer than um, Charles thinks. Charlie, whatever. Same thinks. <laughs> and I don't know. You, somebody have to explain to me what the heck happened there. There's a line when they're in one of the metaphysical, when they're in the nest. Was it the nest? No, it's when they're in his version of hell and Quill and the bounty hunter or the surgeon go off to fight the the, the devil because they need a drop of his blood. (laughs) Which was this big. (laughs) And they, uh, they cut back to the governess and she starts talking into her recorder. Like it's a walkie-talkie or something. And she says something about... I went back to... I, I rewound it because I didn't catch the dialogue the first time. And I still don't. I still didn't get all of it after the second playthrough. But she says something to the effect of... It was something that they didn't anticipate. It's, it's not what they... We, it's not happening in the way we thought. And then she says something about tissues deteriorating. Maybe she meant situation. Or said situation. But I heard tissue. And then something garbled at the end but it, it, it kind of made it set up that okay well this is there's something that's not happening the way that's supposed to according to plan yeah. at this point and keep in mind again the, the way these governors are situated which this is also another problem that I have now with them is we've kind of built the governors up to be this big bad really big bad yeah. this almost torchwood level miracle day bad that they've mm-hmm. got fingers in all kinds of different mm-hmm. pies here. Not just hiring robots, but, you know, that we've got prisoners that UNIT doesn't know about. And, well, okay, well... I don't even think at that time I felt like that... I, I don't even think I felt like there was this nefarious organization at this point. I kind of felt like there was... The, it was still kind of this guardian angel entity. See, I Even never thought point. of them as guardian angel. I, I thought them nefarious from the get-go. I did originally, initially, especially when the robot was there watching Quill. But when she comes in and they're developing this and she's kind of explaining what's happening, yeah, we know about this and we know what's going on, they were they, they kind of made me feel like, oh, these, these guys are kind of the guardians of, of this time-space they've, rip. They've been put in charge yeah, of they've been put in specifically to keep, eye on to keep an eye on things. Okay. It isn't until the finale... That I went back to the whole, oh yeah, these guys are the big bad. So anyway, go ahead. Maybe I just never trusted the headmistress as a character. Well, so I then didn't. I, just assumed they were I didn't, especially in the episode with the uh, the 
things, the pedals that were taken yeah. over, and she's trying to force uh, Charlie to use a weapon. Well, especially when she pulls a gun on yeah. Mateus. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, I could kind of sort of see her motivations for that. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. are you, she's still trying to protect the planet. I did like the scene at the end of that episode where Quill beats the crap out of that car, and she comes out going, "That's not my car." <laughs> <laughs> she's the, very cool. By the way, and come collected. see me Monday because you fulfilled your end of the agreement. She's what? very, she's very cool and collected until the situation seems to go completely different than they expected. But I really like. I thought her character development was done really well in this one too, especially when we find out you know she seems to know everything that's going on until it's kind of relayed that well she did it in simulations. They've never actually done this before, <laughs> and you know she keeps talking about the the probabilities and the theory. And Quill says, "If you say in theory one more time, I mean I like that." And I, I actually started really getting to the point where I was enjoying headmistress at this point because she they were building on her character and giving us a little bit more nuggets and it it's not until she makes the 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 conversation on the on the recorder because I, I i did hear some of that as well and then she leaves them there and, then and she leaves yeah and when she comes back it's not her it's well it hologram? It's a hologram. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she she comes She's back and yeah. they reveal that we we didn't actually bring you back to the school. You've been in the cabinet, the the whole end part of this time, and it was a hologram. So then they realize that they're in the cabinet. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> because what's it was it a was it a three percent greater probability that she yeah. would survive? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, I guess you play the odds where you need them, <laughs> and, or play the percentages where you need yeah, them. And oh, by the way, the prisoner that we had that unit doesn't know that we had, who is in fact a prisoner. Um, We've got one of your relatives on Earth, and, yeah. and, and they're okay. Her niece is still around. And, and and if you want to see her again, you've got to kill Quill, even though we just went through all this business <laughs> right. to get the thing out of Quill's head. Right. But Quill, we'd kind of rather have you around, so if you kill him, then you can get out. And it's like, well, what was the setup? I mean, they, they make it almost... The, the way she's rattling off probability and, 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 and things, especially when you get to the end... It almost makes you think like the governor's is just a room full of Whopper computers from from more games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all they're doing is computing probability. You know, th- th- there's going to be a X percentage of chance of this happening. This, per- and so they kind of plan everything out based on the most likely scenario, only to find out that it never goes according to their most likely scenario. <laughs> and she even comments on that in the last episode that mistakes were made, things didn't go according. You know, and it's like. You guys kind of suck at your jobs here. What is the deal with it? Why they had to set these two against each other? I don't know. I don't think that's clearly developed either. It's another okay. episode that stumbles. Well, good. Right I don't feel so bad that I was confused yeah. and didn't understand what was going on there. Now it sucked that they get into this. You well, know, I, think I really grew to like the guy. Yeah, great makeup with the, yeah. especially with the colored contact on him as yeah. well. Um, but. Um, so they have this connection, and then they're going to fight about it. And he's basically telling her, you know, I'm, I've got to take a chance that it is true that my family's out there. Even though I have this connection with you, she's family. And so they get into it, and they fight. And he grabs the gun, and he goes, click! And the gun shoots him in the head. Which is what happened in episode one, Anytime anybody else used the gun other than Quill. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, I, I completely. That's why all those students went missing because she would talk them I into using it. I completely forgot about that. You're right. That's why they. That's why it went. And she knew that because she says, "No, I'm. I'm sorry." 
because she realizes yeah. what's about to and, happen. And I, it wasn't okay, until well, that after that ended that I, oh, okay, that's why she would, because she's not upset that he's got the gun and going to shoot me. She's upset that he got the gun and is going to shoot. Yeah. Because she knows the outcome okay. of that. that and that, so I that figured that sense. out. I had forgotten about that. Mm. Weird weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. It's a James Bond gun. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, did anybody else think the, the metaphysical engine a little bit Time Lordish in yeah, its architecture? I it totally could be a TARDIS console room. I want to see one of similar to that now. It's so looks like a geek threw up in here. That's what she says. Yeah. Quill says. Yeah. Looks like a geek threw up in here. I just absolutely love the idea of a metaphysical engine. Yeah. I don't. It feels almost Douglas Adams esque, yeah. but used to a serious use. Yeah, I, like I would if agree. Douglas Adams used it, agree. came up with it, he'd go someplace ridiculous. But here, right. it was just used seriously. I agree, and it's just so cool. Some very very big concepts in this episode, which is again part of the more frustrating element to it that it's it's such a grandiose idea and so very cool sci fi things for it not to stick the landing. <laughs> Yeah. At the end, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. oh, okay. Well, but wrapping back around on itself and doing the, showing us again what we saw at the end of the previous episode right. from detention. Because this is all happening while they're off in the right. detention center. And then seeing her say, and things are going to change, and then continue on with her passing out, I thought that was kind of cool. That was cool, yeah. too. So, And this is where Mel sat up and go, what was that? And I said, what? She goes, her what was with her? I was like the hair the eye the scar and she goes no the bump and I, I went didn't what notice, I, didn't I didn't notice, I didn't it, notice it at first either well, wasn't until we, the beginning the first the next episode when she's laying in bed we immediately started the next episode and she's lying in bed pregnant and we went whoa <laughs> she wasn't just pregnant she was very pregnant yeah because they did that zoom in shot when she's on the desk at the very end of the previous episode that was kind of almost a cliffhanger more than anything else yeah. was yeah. a shot of the baby bump so the Lost. Facing an impossible choice, our heroes must use all they've got learnt to save Earth. But how far are they prepared to go? And will they have to pay a price? Yes, and it was too high. <laughs> <laughs> so the one good thing that comes out of the Dragon Tattoo episode is Ram's dad. Ram confides in his father... This is what happened. This is why I'm a little off on soccer practice. I fought an alien. I lost a leg. I've got this prosthetic limb. Oh, by the way, there's aliens. Blah, blah, blah. And Ram's dad supports him and believes him and is awesome. And Ram's dad is awesome in the two-parter because he's he's rolling with it and just like, okay, oh, yeah. and, and still being supportive. And then he's gone. <laughs> Unceremoniously, brutally. Quickly. Quickly. At the beginning of this episode, Shadow King shows up, stabs him in the back, turns to dust, and I was angry. <laughs> it's like, man. Ram continues his descent into blithering, lovesick puppy dog and upset over everything. I mean, admittedly, this is traumatic. Yeah. Because he's now seen his girlfriend killed in front of him by the same guy. Which That's he finally okay. remembers. That's okay. He'll have a new dad next week. <laughs> I mean, he had a new girlfriend a week later, so. That's the thing. He just, it's like he almost, he forgot about April. Or not April, whatever the girlfriend's name was. And suddenly remembered it when she saw her dad, his dad killed. It's like, oh yeah, that happened to me too. But yeah, he just kind of 
falls apart. And then Tanya loses her mom in the same violent, unexpected oof, matter. Well, it was a bit more expected that time. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're setting up the Shadow King to really be yeah. the bad guy here. Yeah, in fact, I kind of saw that one coming because... Because of Ram's, Ram's dad. dad. Which I did not see coming. I don't, well, Ram's dad certainly didn't. Although I wasn't certain when April's mom gets... The knife at the throat. I wasn't sure what was going to happen there because oh, I thought yeah. we've seen these two, mm-hmm. and I do. I, I I thought that was very clever that the Shadow King uh, points to Matthias and says, "You're going to be number, number five. five." Yeah. And I thought, one, two, three, four. Oh, we're missing three and four, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for three and four to be the brothers in in the library, I was set up for that one too i thought oh great here we go we're gonna see this di-. and then when quill comes out of nowhere and just smacks the heck out of the <laughs> shadow king i was like oh okay i didn't see that coming even though i know quill had gone off around and flanked i just i totally did not see that coming I and how for awesome sure. was that oh that was very awesome <laughs> i mean we've had the shadow oh, king yeah. built up from episode one and he's kind of a bad guy and the doctor defeated him, but didn't really defeat him. And then April defeats him, but doesn't really defeat him. And Quill just comes in and up one side, <laughs> down the other. It's unceremonial. It's just boom, 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 boom. And You're I, done. And truthfully, if he had not escaped through that whatever little riff thing he was doing, I think she would have taken him completely out. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I think so too. Yeah, she, she totally had his number. I, I was very concerned about Quill, how they were going to handle her in the beginning of the episode. Because she suddenly is now pregnant, I thought, "Oh no, they pulled her teeth. She just went through this all this stuff, and is now going to be really bad a and really be able to fight and do whatever she wants. And now she's pregnant, so she won't be able to. Yeah. I'm she glad makes, they didn't. They still she makes that comment. Well, I'm taking you into battle then. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that she's still. Well, and they they laid enough groundwork about her species to allow you to believe that they would still do this. Yeah. Well, and the comment that uh, Tanya makes when she she comes in sobbing and Quill has to comfort her, which is not her, it's not her wheelhouse. And then Tanya backs up and goes, are you pregnant? Yeah. Aren't they going to eat you? And Quill suddenly realizes, oh yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's part of it. That was the other thing that I thought was was kind of a, a clever moment is because when Tanya comes in there and she starts crying and Quill has this oh gosh and then she has this sudden striking motherly instinct motherly instinct yeah and I thought that was very clever she's pregnant this is something that's but we don't know is that necessarily a Quill trait or is this something that is a learned trait since she's been stuck in this human form so so long I get too. the impression it's a learned trait since not they, to mention <laughs> they eat their she's mom. also pregnant with a uh, at least a, a bi-species type child oh, yeah. because it's whatever hers is and whatever the shapeshifters species is as well species what's so clever is, well. is we never got to know what he looks like in his natural state oh that was one there of was the, so many nice zygon references that was that. the yeah. cool thing was the the zygon thing where he she says uh, oh so you're a zygon and he she, the mistress says well he cleverly disguised himself as a zygon because zygons are now protected on earth because yeah. that's how he was hiding was pretending to be a zygon so that when he shapeshifted they would think that he was just a zygon i thought that was kind of clever too mm-hmm. That was a very nice post Day of the Doctor yeah. and, and Zygon Invasion nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right with Quill. I was like, oh, don't, don't, no. Okay, I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's still terrifying. In fact, she's more terrifying. 
Oh yeah, yeah what she makes that comment about when Tanya says the the, the mother instinct we protect her. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> so then we're back to kind of the plot from the two parter. That well, we're going to use the cabinet to kill everybody. What what I kind of appreciate is the I going throughout this entire season. I didn't really expect them to use the cabinet. The fact that they did to actually kill the Shadowkin, I was impressed by. Yeah, I, I yeah, was, I was too. That's one of those almost more adult things that this show has done that Doctor Who proper probably wouldn't do very often, at least not have the protagonist do it. Yeah. I mean, obviously we had the Doctor step back and not use the moments, and this is almost that equivalency, and they went there and did it. Yeah. Doctor Who, I think, would have... I kept kind of waiting for the the other part of the legend with the cabinet of souls that it, 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 it houses all the souls of all the people who have ever died from this planet, but it could also be turned into a weapon where the souls can be unleashed to go kill a species or the third part of the legend that they kind of touched on, but then didn't, you know, I, I, and I thought they were going to, especially in the flower episode, that's where I thought they were going with it, uh, is that they can take the souls out of the cabinet and put them into another species yeah. and they just take over those people. I thought they were, I thought this is perfect. You're going to bring the cabinet out. Well, the shadow King brings that up in this. We're going to put all the, too. we're going to put all the souls the in the king. flowers. Yeah. And we'll take over that. Oh, there's only one soul. But, oh, okay. Well, no, that wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't have there. It still would have been genocide, but, but, yeah, but it's, it's, just, it's that oh, yeah, situation yeah. where we're, we touch on that again and we're, we were recalled back to that. But I think it's the, the shadow King that's taunting. Charlie's saying, you think you're the hero. You think you're the one that would be able to uh, make that childhood. He doesn't say it that way, but he's he's alluding to that. He thinks he he's the one that legend, to fulfill, the... fulfill that legend, and uh, it doesn't happen, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Not to mention, it was Quill that saved him from taking that last soul, right? Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Which I thought was kind of cool, and how she says, you know, you're, you're the last one. You have to live. You you have to live with the That's sacrifice. Your punishment. That's your yeah. punishment. I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. That was the most bone chilling thing Quill had done at that point. It's like, oh, well, yeah. and you know, Charlie's shooting April. April. Yeah. And it just everything kind of went the way it needed to go, I felt, in that situation. Well, yeah. Even the using the way, of the cabinet, I thought, was yeah. went in the in the right way. Um, I mean, the, the way you establish when they established the season with this main this character is linked to the bad guy, and if you kill the bad guy, you kill her, obviously she's gonna die. Having her die at the hand, specifically, of one of the other protagonists, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah. Because it wasn't like he shot her, or shot him to kill her, or to kill him, and I, she was the bystander in it. Right. I got the impression she, he shot her specifically yeah. to kill the bad guy. Right. Which, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty wowed by most of the well, final she, half of the finale. He says, don't make me do this, because just a sentence earlier, she says the Shadow King, because she's cluing him in that you killed the king. And, yeah. And that's that's why he says, don't make me do this. And then he shoots yeah. her, because yeah. he realizes that that's what she's communicated to him. Also, knowing that he's got that piece in him that he's now the king. That mm-hmm. she's gone, he becomes the king. Well, yeah. Both of them are gone. He becomes the king. Yep, it was well put together. Well put together, and, and then, then, that, then that very cliffhanger. <laughs> so <laughs> what? Her? No, well, let's back up. 
the Shadow King setting up and with yeah, April's voice saying, why is everybody looking at me? Yeah. I thought, that's neat. Even if they just left it there. Oh, yeah, that works. I was like, okay. Being all right. That's, I, I, that's I a... wouldn't mind seeing. Kind then of... we go into the governor. Well, that's my no, but, problem. But before that, we go into the governor's. Oh, had we done that first? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. So uh, Patrick April's Ness, the last thing. April's the very last. The very last thing. thing. Okay, oh, so okay. it's previous to that right, is the governor's right. thing. Patrick Ness's okay, comments so, about next season make a lot more sense now. Yeah, if no the, lie. Yeah, if the uh, <laughs> Shadow King, if they'd ended it there, I would have been fine with that. But they, having that insert of setting up the, the whole the governor's, yeah, uh, the whole Weeping Angels invasion, yeah. Which I think could be cool. I just wish they hadn't done it, you so they, know, because we're only getting the one season. I'll tell you, they go in. She they they cut into this room where she's standing in, in front of everybody on the on the board, and I'm already in my mind building this up. You know, early on, as I explained, that I felt like they were these overseers. You know, that that, that was good. And she's in there, and I thought. Ooh, this would be really cool if we pan through and we see that, like, Ian is one of the governors on this board, you know? (laughs) He's been chosen to oversee, and that's why maybe he's integral in setting this board up, and that's why... So I'm building this all up in my head until they show the one guy, and I was like, okay, well, that's not Ian. That could have been. That would have been kind of neat. And then they have that conversation how she failed, and then the Weeping Angel shows up, and I went... I'm glad Ian is not in there now. <laughs> they they, so well, they yeah. solved that with uh, the line in episode three or four, whichever it was, when she's explaining to Quill that when they redesigned the school, there was a new board of governors put into place. Because up on, up through the 50th anniversary, Ian's name is on the plaque yeah, out in front of Cole Hill's yeah. one of the governors. Board of the governors, yeah. But then when I'm getting this, you're a, you're a nefarious group, I don't want Ian to be part of that unless he's going to be the hero that he's been in yeah. undercover trying to keep tabs on yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but when she says they inst- they installed this new group of governors, I went, oh, okay, Ian's out of the picture at this point. Right, And, and right. I'm kind of glad because Which I don't Which had, had I seen the whole nefarious nature of it that you guys did, I probably would have been, oh, no, yeah, I would I would have been looking for that. I was looking for that because I thought, well, if they really are indeed overseeing and doing what's best for keeping this rift protected, this crack protected, then I'm fine with it. But yeah, I'm... some of it, some of the bit with the weeping angel gave me shades of which you guys haven't listened to this, uh, the fifth Doctor audio story with the weeping angels that they, the big finish did. There's there's some aspects of it that are kind of similar that I wonder if they were playing off of on purpose or. I'd be kind of intrigued to know. Um, but with the governors, because I saw it nefarious, I th- kind of thought and hoped they were actually the gods of Ragnarok. Ooh, because of the way be... they were situated and the way Ooh, they looked. Yeah. It looked like they almost could have been. Like yeah, but they there's were... only three then. Who knows? Maybe there's... Uh, maybe no, we the... know that there are three. The three that rule. Yeah. That's what they're called. Oh, well, uh, and maybe... Maybe These, not everybody in there is one of them. Yeah, like like there would be oh, I see. A, a mass of them, and some of them would be the gods of Ragnarok. Or I see, I see. It just well, gave it me that be. feel to it yeah, more than anything be. else. I mean, how many of them are servants? Like, um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the I I always got the impression though from Greatest Show that there are only three. Like, there's not that's not a species. It's not that's just those. That, no, that's no, no, no. But, but all like three the of them 
of all these people up would there, have been the gods. three of them would have uh, been the three you. who rule, and everybody else was just a servant. I suppose they still could be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or that could be a higher level above who we saw. Well, the, God, the gods of Ragnarok really are shades of the Weeping, weeping Angels. Oh, yeah, reality, absolutely. If you look at it. I yeah. mean, they're, 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 they're not separated by very many degrees Mm-mm. if you not got really clever with it. Yeah. So it, they still could go that way. Well, or no. not. <laughs> well, I, I do kind of hope that Patrick Ness will, since he is a novelist, will write a wrap-up novel to give us kind of where At he the was going with, with yeah. the governors. Because since we're not going to get another season, it doesn't look like, and he said he's not going to write any more television class episodes. I have not seen anything about novels. Because they did publish like three actual novels to go concurrent with the series. Now, of course, that won't wrap. That's I, that's fill-in stuff. I'll leave you guys saying this. I don't think that you need to despair that there's not a series yet, a, 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 a further series. I know what he has said about he's disparaging that there's there's not going to be one. There are a lot of series that will do a season, and then you won't see them for a year or two, and then they'll come back and do another season. So the BBC, by not saying okay we're going to do season two they probably don't have if the bb if bbc america had stepped in and said we want season two next year then they would have got on it and everything would have gone the way that it sort of does in american television but i would wait until two or three years have passed and we haven't heard any news on this before i would disparage there not being a second season because I'm not trying to be the ever optimist here, but I think well, that's usually Sean's role. Um, <laughs> when did a plant come and snatch you through your bedroom window? But there, there is a chance that, that that could come back. Now, let's just wait and see where this is at before we go go off saying, well, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. It's unfortunate. Let's not say that because that's us already putting the nail in the coffin that may not need a coffin. So That's very true. Yeah, I mean, that is true. P- Patrick's comments were very much well we need to be in production now to keep up with where Doctor Who's going to be at. And I don't think you do. I, agree. I don't, I don't I think agree. this show needs to have also the same. Also because he doesn't know what Chris Chidnall has planned. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think this, right, right. I don't think you need to have the same production schedule or anything for it. I think you can run it concurrently, but it doesn't have to be all that related. Right. Well, now and if he wants a... to bring the doctor in, okay, fine. And maybe yeah. he needs to know who the doctor is going to be. But again, when the doctor showed up in Sarah Jane, there was usually a very cool reason for it. Mm-hmm. Whether it was Sarah Jane was getting married to a you know the trickster, or <laughs> the doctor was dead. Okay, either one of those is an acceptable excuse to bring him in. If it's just the way this cliff, the way this finale happened, I almost kind of kept expecting. When is the doctor going to show up and sort this out for you all? Because I like the fact that he didn't come. I do too, but yeah. it, it it built up to a point where I didn't think the kids and Quill could handle it. Mm. I, I really thought this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger than what you guys are realistically capable of, of of being able to handle. And then he didn't show up, and I'm like, okay, cool, because you can't keep bringing him back in. That cheapens the show that you're setting up. So, and Patrick's comment that he's just not, he's simply not going to write it anymore. I mean, he wrote every episode this season, which, you know, some are better than others. But that's a pressure of accomplishment. He's also still kind of stinging from the treatment that the BBC did as far as placement on the schedule, too. If I were him, I would be hesitant to come back also because the way he was treated. Yeah, when you put that much work and blood and sweat and tears into something and then you get the 
Friday night at 2 a.m. time slot. Right, right, <laughs> it's going right. like that. Well, and I think some of the re- the fan reaction was tepid at first also. Like, people were excited that it was going to be another spinoff, but it was kind of like, oh, really? That's what we're doing? All right. Okay. And then it's the people who wound up sticking with it that really appreciated it yeah, more I think than so anything too. else. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, while the two episodes to establish the side characters were necessary and placed, I think, well, it may have turned off some viewers because, it, oh, that, that, that's all this is? Okay, I'm not going to watch anymore. I agree. I think that instead of marketing to Doctor Who fans, which is when he makes a comment like, you know, in order to keep up with Doctor Who's schedule, we have to be doing art. I think instead of doing that, I think what he needs to do is he needs to be marketing to those people that are, are fans of Supernatural or Misfits or Buffy because that's really more of the style of show that oh, it yeah. is. And if you're marketing to those people and they find something that's very similar to that, you're going to bring those people in. now. Well, especially you, now that there's a whole season established it'd be so much easier to continue on and divert even further from who and not have to worry about those connections i think when you do the connection so heavily to who what you have the danger of doing is bringing the the more casual who fans over to see this and they go oh, this doesn't feel anything like dr who now we connect to it because we liked all the little nods and the hints and the fact that cole hill school connects we like the fact that zygons connect we like the you know the fact that the weeping angels are in this we like all of those elements of it because that is in the universe of Doctor Who. But when you've got the average fan that it may be watching Doctor Who now that doesn't need those connections, when they come over here, they may be turned off by that oh, because yeah. they're not Buffy fans or they're not Supernatural fans, you know? So I think that, that you can't hang your entire hat on the being connected to Doctor Who. It's another case of mismarketing altogether yeah. because Patrick was really pushing the... Doctor Who connections and BBC was kind of pushing the oh it's like Degrassi or it's like you know and it's like well that's not quite it either it's it's somewhere in between yeah (laughs) these 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 shows and I think going with a supernatural route would have been more appropriate from that marketing standpoint but there's still every chance that BBC America will step in and rescue it or that BBC will come back and renew it for more and maybe we'll get more or maybe we'll get a, a a, wrap a novel or wraps everything up. Well, I'd be fine with either as long as I would. I would like to know more. I'm invested enough at this point that I want more. Yeah. So I'll say that for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mel and Billy were both like, "I'm kind of upset that there's not going to be more of this." I was like, "Well, <laughs> maybe, but probably yeah. not." And so they both liked it with the tenuous connections that they had to it. So that's good. It's not something that I would. I, I wish to come back to, um, but. I just, I, it, it's not my cup of tea. I can't equate it to any, any of the other spinoff shows because it's sort of its own thing. It's that middle child. <laughs> well, it's a bit anomalous as far as spinoffs go, too, because so many spinoffs, a lot of times, take an established character, bring them onto their own show, and continue their story. Sarah Jane, Captain Jack. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to establishing a brand new show with no with all brand new characters. The only returning character in this is Cole Hill School. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that, I think that also made it a bit of a struggle for more people to jump onto because there isn't a familiar anchor for you to follow through. Would it have worked better, do you think? I don't want to say Clara, but had Clara been there or or even Courtney? I, su- I suppose What's-His-Face, the, the headmaster that got killed early on, was an anchor to some extent. To some extent, yeah. Mm. 
I think if Courtney had been there, I just I I don't even think that would have mattered because she was such she's a still minor peripheral. Part. Yeah, she's still such a minor role. Clara would have been different, but I don't know that I'd would have want to see Clara hmm. there either. So I don't know. I don't know either. I don't seem to ever really get into the spinoffs as much as I do Doctor Who, and I think because there's always in that back of my mind that this isn't Doctor Who. You know, this is just living within the world of Doctor Who and peripherally connected. So I'll be honest, I think that's one of my apprehensions to going into some of the Bernice Summerfield stuff or Iris Wild Time. It's like, oh, we're in the we're in the universe, but we're not in that ballpark. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, "Mm." but I'll get there eventually. We will get there eventually. Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next week on the schedule is a new Who episode. You get Matt Smith in The Beast Below, if you're joining us for Friday Night Who, again at our new time of 10.30. And uh, we will take a look at some 11th Doctor comics uh, from Titan Comics, uh, starting Season 3 with The 11th Doctor, Issues 1 through 5. And we will also take a look at the Big Finish mainline story number 89, No Man's Land. And then uh, we added a weekend to the schedule, uh, which this is on their website as well. Our Friday Night Who offering on the 21st of July is Tom Baker in The Sunmakers. So back to one that's available on BritBox, uh, if you're going uh, that route with us. And then our Candy Jar Book Reviews start. Episode number 340 of the show is going to take a look at Havoc Files 3, which is the collection of short stories that came out. And the novella Life of Evans by John Peel. So uh, we'll start with those and we have more candy jar books immediately following that up the following week but that's the next two weeks of the schedule excellent keith if they wanted to send us feedback how could they do that you can go to our website travelingthevortex.com and fill out the send us feedback tab or just shoot us an email at feedback at travelingthevortex.com you can also reach out to us to any form of social media that's how ben sent us his feedback on twitter and while you're at our website, consider becoming a patron of our podcast. On the right-hand side, you'll find a button that'll take you to a page where you can support us on Patreon. And any amount is welcome. And of course, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we do have those links on the side page that Ben took advantage of. You can also purchase podcast merchandise from our Traveling the Vortex spreadsheet. Ah, every time. <laughs> Spread shirt store. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.